Okay, we'll, we'll take our Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel. Don't hear many messages out of Ezekiel. We'll just start there. I want to take something from uh, this passage as an introductory thought to the message. I was reading through this passage not long ago, and uh, this, this idea jumped out, and I started jotting down some, some thoughts I thought might be helpful for us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Ask, Lord, that you'll use this time of chapel to speak to our hearts, Lord, and that we would be clean vessels that you can use. Thank you for the good preaching we had last week during the Empowered Youth Conference and the many decisions that were made and victories that were won. And I pray that those decisions wouldn't uh, just be taken lightly. Lord, that people continue to put those uh, truths and principles into their, into their lives and, and see victory. Now I pray that as we contemplate this passage, that you give wisdom as we look into it and encouragement, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're in Ezekiel 13. This chapter, uh, let me just say, in Ezekiel's day, there were false prophets. And the first, about first half or so of the chapter, chapter of, uh, verses 1 through 16 deal with false prophets. And then verses 17 through 23 deal with false prophetesses. All right, those women preachers, okay, <laughs> and some things that happen there. And I want to actually take my text from the second part of the chapter where it's dealing with the false prophetesses. Uh, these uh, people obviously pro prophesied lies to Israel, and we'll see the results here in this uh, last part of the chapter. So just going to take the thought from here. And then leave Ezekiel and go and see some other, many other passages of Scripture. All right, so we're, uh, we'll begin here in verse number 17. You're like, Pastor Olson, Monday morning, Ezekiel, prophecy, hang in there. All right, we'll, we'll have a little bit of fun uh, as we read the text here. You'll see. Likewise, thou son of man... Set thy face against the daughters of, my, of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them. So Ezekiel was supposed to prophesy against these women preachers who were prophesying out of their own heart. And verse 18, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the women that sew pillows to all armholes and make handkerchiefs uh, uh, make uh, kerchiefs uh, upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will ye hunt the souls of my people, and will ye save the souls alive that come to you? Now, you say pillows, sewing to the... Yeah, this is a new fashion statement. So if we see any of uh, these young ladies start sewing pillows to their armholes and some of these kerchiefs, we know we're in trouble, Right. Although, well, pillows on the armholes might be coming in pretty handy when you're trying to snooze during uh, class time, right? Just a little, a little uh, thing like that. So, 
Then we pick it up in verse 19. And will ye pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread? So they were prophesying deceitfully and false, false lies, obviously, for money to get a little bit of food. And it says, to slay the souls that should not die and to save the souls alive that should not live by your lying to my people that hear your lies. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith ye, uh, ye there hunt the souls to make them fly, and I will tear them from your arms, and will let the souls go, even the souls that ye hunt to make them fly. Your kerchiefs also will I tear and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall be no more in your hand to be hunted. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Now, my text, verse 22. Because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hands of the wicked, that, ye should not, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. Therefore... Ye shall see no more vanity nor divine divinations, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So, again, let's pray. Father, need your help today. Pray that your word would be an encouragement. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I know we've prayed, but I just want to pray again that you would use this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So... The results of them prophesying lies are found in verses 19 and 22. In verse 19, uh, we see evil was pronounced upon the righteous and safety was promised to the wicked, right? The, the, the righteous feared being slain. It says there, uh, to slay the souls that should not die. The righteous weren't supposed to be punished, but this was the, this was the message that was given by the false prophetesses. And then the, uh, it says, and to save alive the souls that should not live. And so the wicked were promised that they would have life. And as a result of these lies that were prophesied, we find in verse number 22, because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad. And that's what I want to focus on. The righteous were made sad because lies that they were told. And not only that, but it also says that the wicked were emboldened to continue in their sin. But what made the righteous sad was the lies that they've been told. And as Satan lied to them, he also tells lies to God's people today. So the title of the message is Lies That Make God's People Sad. Lies That Make God's People Sad. It should be noted that God doesn't uh, want us to be sad. Right? The righteous should not be sad. He says, because with lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. God wants us to be happy. God wants his people to have joy. Not to walk around moping, not to feel miserable, not to uh, be defeated all of their lives. But a lot of times God's people are just that. They're defeated. They're downhearted. And they're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be. And so I want to just... Talk about some lies that the devil gives to God's people that are directed to keep us down. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and when he can keep you sad, you have no strength. You will not serve God 
as you should. You will not have victory over sin. You will not have a fruitful Christian life. And so I want to consider some of these lies that will rob us of joy if we believe them. Here, lie number one. You can get away with a little sin. That's a lie the devil tells us. You can get away with a little sin. Well, first of all, that, this lie fails in many ways. First of all, there is no little sin. Okay? For whosoever, this is James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Well, I only did this little sin. You've sinned, you're guilty of all of it. You're guilty of all, breaking all the law. The, the, the punishment for, for sin, whether it's one small little one or a million big ones is still the same. The wages of sin is death. There is no little sin in God's eyes. Let me ask you this. Adam and Eve, why were they kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Because of the little sin of eating a piece of fruit. Just a little sin. Just a little sin. Miriam was struck with leprosy for the little sin of questioning Moses' leadership. Have you ever questioned the leadership that is above you? Your parents, staff? Hmm? Moses couldn't enter the promised land for just a little sin of disobedience. Just a little sin. He hit the rock instead of speaking it to it. What's so bad about that? Well, it was bad because God said not to do it, and God told him how he wanted. Achan was stoned to death and his whole family for the little sin of stealing. Just a little sin. Just, just a little sin. Ananias and Sapphira, both killed. Just that little sin of telling a lie. And I know none of you have ever told a lie, so you should be all, all set, right? Oh, no. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if you believe the devil's lie that you can get by with a little sin, you're going to be sad because the reaping day is going to come and it won't be a happy day. Okay? So that first lie, again, you can get away with a little sin. Well, as I said, there's no little sin. I'm still going to answer this first lie. But not only that, but God sees all sin. What sin has ever been committed that God hasn't seen? Right? Moses, before he killed the Egyptian, he looked this way and he looked that way. There's one way he didn't look. He should have looked up. But he wasn't thinking about God. He was, he was so earthly-minded, just like we get. We're so earthly-minded, we'll look over our shoulder before we scan that thing on our phone or on, uh, on, the, on the computer screen. Make sure no one's there. Okay, it's okay to look. It's not okay to look. God is still looking. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15.3. And because he sees, we will not get away with anything. Ever. So uh, for a little while, yeah, for a little while, but you will be caught. You will be caught. It will come out. Psalm 44, 21. Shall not, the, shall, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. He knows the deep, dark secrets that are in your heart that nobody else knows. He knows everything. He sees everything. 
So you can't get, a by, get by with a little sin. And, and that, the whole point is that nobody ever gets away with sin. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will what? It will find you out. It will find you out. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're... If you're saved, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You will, you and I will give an account for everything. And if some way things that you do get by here, and you won't get by because you will reap what you sow, you will be judged and will give an account in eternity. And so that whole lie, you can get away with a little sin, it makes you feel good. To do that little thing. But it's going to make you sad. Because as he says here in, in, back in Ezekiel. With lies ye have made the heart of the righteous sad. And that's what God, uh, the, the devil wants. He wants you sad. He wants you to believe his lies. Here's the second lie. I don't know how many we'll get through. But we're going to see how far we get through. God will not forgive you. God will not forgive you. Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes uh, Satan likes to get us to think that we actually come to a point where God's not going to forgive us any longer. Let me remind you, maybe you're harboring something, some deep, dark secret that nobody knows about. God already knows, right? And you say, well, no, he, he, I can't come clean. I would break my parents' heart. Uh, I would be in big trouble. It might jeopardize me even graduating school. Whatever it is, Psalm 118, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. His mercy never runs out. Mercy is not getting what you really deserve, the judgment you really deserve. And if his mercy endures forever... I can always come back to him and ask him for help and for forgiveness and with confidence know that I don't have to bear the full weight of the, the punishment because God's mercy endures forever. Now, the devil will tell us that we've either, either sinned one too many times or that what we did was so bad, God can't forgive you. You know, we'll, you'll get to times where you did something so bad that you'll be embarrassed even to talk to God about it. I, 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 I can't talk to God about this. You better talk to God about that. He's your only hope. You need forgiveness. And the whole idea is, you know, I, you did that. And the devil will be right there to whisper in your ear, you know, you, you did that last week. You said sorry. And the week before, you, you said sorry. And you just keep saying sorry. You're not sorry. So don't even bother. God already knows you're not sorry. God already knows you're not going to have any victory. So just, you're a loser. Just stay a loser. He's not going to forgive you. And that's the way it is. And you start believing that. And why does the devil tell you that? Because he wants to keep you sad. And when you believe that, you won't be forgiven. And you won't, have a, 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 you won't feel clean. You won't have a, a close relationship with God. And this is what the devil wants for your life. He wants to beat you down and keep you defeated the rest of your life. And some people are more than happy to let them do that. 
Now, listen to this passage and, and tell me if it sounds like God is not interested in forgiving you. And this is found uh, in one of the minor prophets. If you know anything about children of Israel, they were wayward. And God was pronouncing a lot of judgment on his people. But even in the midst of judgment, he's saying, I still love you and I want to forgive you. Listen to this in Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He continues, he will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue, subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. All sins. Speaking about all sins, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which sin have you committed that Jesus didn't die for? Which sin have you committed that he can't forgive? There's no sin that he cannot forgive. If you're broken hearted over your sin, God will certainly forgive you. Which leads us to our next lie. So make sure you know that God will forgive you and come and get cleansing if you need to be forgiven. But the next lie lie is this. You will never have victory over that sin. You'll never have victory over that sin. Satan whispers, you know, that's your besetting sin. It'll always be there. You, You can't expect to have victory over that Sin. It's quite interesting. It just happened to have read uh, Hebrews chapter 12 this morning where it talks about let us lay aside the, the, the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. What does he tell us to do? Lay it aside. Why would he tell us to lay it aside if we couldn't lay it aside? So this whole notion, this is a lie of the devil, well, that's just my besetting sin. That's just the one I'm going to have with me the rest of my life. That's just what I do. That is a lie of the devil. And as long as you believe it, you will stay defeated. You will never have victory over that. And that's what he wants you to. He wants you to be in that position. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you born again? If so, you've overcome the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I want you to turn with me to uh, Romans chapter number 6. There will be a couple of times I'll have you uh, turn with me in, in the scriptures because there are some lengthier passages or passages we're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, in Romans chapter number 6, I want you to see a couple of things. Match up the devil's lie that you'll never have victory over sin with what God says and see if it pans out. In Romans chapter number 6, verse number 14, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under, the, under grace. So what does it say? Sin shall not have what? Dominion over you. Does that sound to you like that you can never have victory over that sin? Not when I match it up to the Bible. Oh, how about uh, verse number 18? Being then made what? Free from sin, he became the servants of righteousness. Hmm, I'll never have victory over that sin. 
I'm not matching that up with God says. God says, I've been made free from sin. I think I can have victory over that sin. And so can you. How about verse 22? But now, when? Now, not someday in the future, now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Sounds to me like I'm free from sin. Sounds to me like I can have victory over that sin. And so can you, if you want it. The problem is, people don't want it. They want to keep their sin. The Bible also says in John chapter 8, verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Indeed. If Jesus saved you, and that's the problem. I think a lot of people who think they're saved, say a lot of people, I don't know. There are people out there, let me say it that way, who think they're saved. They're not saved. Proof's in the pudding. There's no change in their life. None. Zero. Zilch. Never got salvation in the first place. But if you are saved, it doesn't mean you won't sin. You will sin, but you can have victory over sin, and you don't have to stay defeated the rest of your life. You're made free. Here's another lie the devil wants you to believe. There's no hope. There's no hope. He'll say, you've tried. You've tried to serve God. You've tried that prayer thing. you tried doing what's right. you tried studying. you tried everything. It just doesn't work. You've tried to be happy. you tried to pray. you tried to get that victory. you tried to really work on your grades. You've tried to really work on your attitude. You've tried to make friends. You've tried to please your parents. You've tried to keep the rules. You've tried to get less demerits. Whatever it is, it just doesn't work. There's no hope. Everything, everything you try fails. The devil's just right there to tell you that. Everything you try fails. You, you, you can't do anything. Just Give up. That is a lie that makes people sad. There's no hope. Do you know there's a lot of people in our, our um, nation that have been committing suicide? Like record numbers. Why? Because they have no hope. They don't want to kill themselves. But they feel that they've run out of hope, so... That's the last thing that they can do. They just want to end their misery. And the devil wants you to believe this lie because he knows what God's word says. So what does God's word say? Luke one thirty seven. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Does that sound like no hope to you? Sounds like if God's with me and with him, there's nothing impossible that sounds like I do have hope. That's what I'm thinking. What about Romans 15, verse 4? It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Comfort of the Scriptures. When you don't feel like you have hope, you know where you go? Right into this book. And it's just something how God's Word will give you hope. Get in the book. 
Now, in, in uh, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Romans 15, 13, says, Now the God of hope, so he's the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You can abound in hope. God wants us to have hope. We can have hope. We just need to turn to him and trust him that, to give us that hope. Now, I want you to get to the fifth lie. Nobody really loves you. There are times where people think, nobody loves me. Nobody really cares about me. You know, even your best friend is going to let you down someday. And I think a lot of people think that their parents have failed them. Oh, they don't really love me. No, they've just really, you know, poured their hearts out in prayer for you for years and years and years and years and put up with your uh, disobedience and (laughs) your bad attitudes and provided for you, all because they hate your guts. No, of course they love you. But no, we don't see that because the devil tells us this lie that nobody really loves us. Well, I know someone who loves us. When you get to the bottom and, and you think nobody loves you, 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Amen. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now turn to Romans chapter number 8. Romans 8, verse 35. God loves us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You can go through all sorts of troubles and know that God still loves you. And by the way, the love of God doesn't prevent you from having problems. These people were going through tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, and all this. And God loved them. But then it continues... As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that, what? Loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. God loves you. It might not look like you're you're loved. It might feel like at times like I've got all these problems. How could God let all these things into my life if he really loved me? Well, he let Lazarus die. And he loved him. He loved Mary and Martha. And he let their brother die. And he still loved them. Bad things happen to good people. Not a question of love. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. The devil's a liar. God loves you. And let me say this. So do the people who really love God. Do you know some people who really love God? Well, they love you. Oh, no, no. No, if they really love God, they love you. I know that because the Bible says that, actually, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. And this is the commandment, uh, this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So the people who really love God love the brethren. 
Maybe you could pick out some staff member and say, now that one really cares, really loves God. Well, if that one really loves God, that one also loves you. So go talk to that one if you're feeling unloved. Maybe that one will shed some love. Right? We don't have to wonder if we're loved. We are loved. And the devil will be right there to tell you that you're not. But you are. Don't believe this lie. He wants you to feel sad. That's his whole game plan is to keep you sad. And if you're sad today, stop believing the devil's lies. And these, these are just a sampling of lies. This, this message could go a whole lot of different ways. These are just the thoughts that God impressed me to include here today. How about this one? Another lie. You will never be happy again. You'll never be happy again. You know, these, they, out there in the world, you've got uh, teenagers, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, they're 15 They've been dating for three months, and, uh, you know, they're just like head over heels, and they think love, and their whole life is ahead of them, and he breaks up with her. (gasps) She's 15. Her whole life is over because this flame of her life for three months has broken up with her, and she goes home and kills herself. That happens. You'll never be happy again. That thing that I wanted, that thing that I loved, that thing that I had hoped for is gone. It might not be a person. It might be. It might be a grandparent. It might be a parent, someone that you really cared about. I'm never going to be happy again. could be anything. Let me just say this. There are going to be times in life where you're going to be sad. Don't stay there. That's where the devil wants you to be. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It's just, there are seasons in life. Even in the darkest of our trials, God will give us light. I was reading this the other night. Psalm 112, verse 4. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. Uh, righteousness. Even in my darkest of times, light springs up. God's there to give me some encouragement. And you too. If it's nighttime, morning's coming. If it's cloudy, the skies will clear in due time. Hang in there. Stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at the God of your circumstances. You can be happy. That great big disappointment doesn't rob you of God's blessings. Here's another one. God answers other people's prayers, not yours. That's the devil's lie. You look around, you see people. I mean, they're just blessed. Everything they do is blessed. They look happy, you know. Seems like, you know, their bills are paid, they have things, they've got friends. You know, life is just good for them. They pray and they get answers to prayer. They talk about them. They, they share those blessings in, in devotions. And I'm like, uh, 
Uh, right? Is, is that how you feel sometimes? The devil will acknowledge that God helps people, but he'll be right there to tell you that he doesn't, he won't help you. I know this lie because there were several years ago, uh, I was going through some really dark times. And the devil was right there saying, yeah, God answers prayer. Yeah, for everybody else, just not for you. And I started to believe that lie. And that didn't help me get out of being sad. I, I know a pastor friend who went through the same thing, and he started telling me about that, and I just started smiling, saying, yep, been there, done that. Now, if God will do that with pastors, I mean, the devil will do that to pastors. Don't you think the devil does that to everybody else? He sure does. He's a liar. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Not just a select few. It shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Then it says, for everyone that asketh receiveth. And he, the individual seeking, uh, he that seeketh findeth. And to him, again, that individual, to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. This is kind of personal, isn't it? It's not just out there for everybody else. It's out there for you and for me. And when you start thinking, oh, God answers everybody else's prayers, but just not mine. Don't forget 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence, again, the confidence must be in him, not in ourselves. The confidence is not in how good our prayer is. We're so deficient. The confidence is, is in him. And here's the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. God loves us. God answers our prayers. And don't believe the devil's lie, because if he gets you to think he'll answer everybody else's prayers and not yours, what are you going to stop doing? You're going to stop praying. And you're not going to pray in faith. And if you don't pray and you don't pray in faith, are you going to get any answers to prayer? No. And that's what the devil wants. He's such a scoundrel. He hates your guts. He hates you. He wants you miserable. He wants you defeated. He wants you to, to, to never have victory. Never reach the potential that God has for you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. He wants to bless you. He, there are going to be some tough times. There are going to be some rough roads. But we don't have to be defeated. We can get through these things if we keep seeking the Lord and trusting Him. And refusing to believe the lies of the devil. Because he's there. And he's got his little prophets and prophetesses of, of woe and doom that are going to tell you lies to make you sad. Here's another one, number eight. You're all alone. No, God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
Hagar thought she was alone when she fled from uh, Sarai, but she later realized that God was with her. God revealed himself, and she prayed and said, Thou, God, seest me. God's everywhere. You're not alone. He he sees. He promises to be by your side. Here's number nine. You can't... This is kind of taking... All these are a little different here. How about this one? You can't afford to give right now. Things are tight, aren't they? School bills come and due, and I can't really... I'll catch up on my tithe. <laughs> you know how many people have said that? And you're like, and, like God gives out loans through your tithe. Where do you read that in the Bible? And are you, are you going to pay him back interest? Well, he says, you know, not usury or anything like that, so he certainly wouldn't charge me anything extra. And now, now you're in debt. You owe like, you know, $10,000 to God. He's like, you know, I'm just going to file, you know, spiritual bankruptcy. It's like, what? You just, no, we take care of God, amen. If you rob God, you're going to be sad. That's just all there is to it. Uh, You can't afford not to give. Uh, Malachi, right? Will a man rob God? Yes. (laughs) He says, yeah, you have robbed me, but uh, you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Then he says, you're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Just. Give to God what's his and trust that he'll help you with the rest. And then manage the rest properly. If, if, if you give him the 10% and if you give him a little offering and, and then you, uh, you blow the rest of your 90%, you know, on Starbucks. And that is really blowing it, by the way. But if you... And then, I, I, can't, I don't know why I can't pay my bills. I'll tell you why you can't pay your bills. Because you don't know how to manage your money that God already told you to manage. Not God's fault. And you're going to rob from him because you can't pay your bills. No, 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 no. Luke 6.38, right? Give and it shall be what? Give and you. Just trust God and follow him. And number 10. We're going to get through all of them. People are not interested in getting saved. That's a lie of the devil. People aren't interested in getting saved. The devil is a master at telling us that uh, people don't want to hear the gospel anymore. He says, you know, that guy, he's not even going to take a track, so don't try to give it to him. Yeah. You know, that girl, she's so hard, she'll never get saved. Don't even bother. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Hmm. Harvests are white, Jesus says. <clears throat> the devil says people aren't interested in getting saved. Someone's not telling the truth here. I wonder who that might be. Right? And the devil knows what the Bible says. He wants you to forget that going and sowing and praying and weeping lead to rejoicing. Uh, Psalm 126, verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So when people get saved, we get kind of excited. It's a blessing. And then you say, uh, you go back to the, the devil's lie again. Well, God uses those people to win souls, not me. 
The devil's just there always throwing these lies, and, and, and you keep taking them. And if you take this one, you know, you take the one that I, I can't afford to give right now, you, you miss the, the joy of seeing God provide for you. You take and believe the lie that people don't get saved, and you won't witness, and you won't have any sheaves, and you won't have any rejoicing. See, everything the devil tells you, all of these lies, everything against the Bible is going to hurt you and rob you of joy and leave you with an unfulfilled life. It could be the, the, the videos you watched, the music you listen to, whatever it is. say you, you don't have to be so straight. It could be the clothes you wear, whatever it is. And the devil will be, you can do this. You don't have to follow God. You don't have to believe what they, those people are so radical. Don't you know that it's just Fairhaven Baptist Church and Fairhaven Baptist College and Fairhaven Christian Academy that believe that? Don't you remember all the people back home that are nice people and seeming to be blessed of God and, and they don't have all those standards and they don't keep all those rules and, and they can do whatever they want to do and they're just happy. And you're like, well, maybe the devil's right. Maybe they're just a bunch of kooks over here. We might be kooks for other reasons, but not because we believe the Bible. The Bible is still the Bible and it still works. And when you live it, God will bless you. And if you want to turn your back on it, you will reap. You will reap. But you don't have to. Don't believe the devil's lies. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.